0: Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to After the Episode, Episode 2.5 of The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. I am Ashley Blossingame, your host, and I am here with Christiana Kimmick, our producer, and we are going to talk about some of the feedback that we got.
1: Yeah, thank you guys again so much. This has been one of our favorite parts is being able to review feedback, read emails, hear back from our listeners, um, and then be able to rehash the episode because it turns out people are having a lot of questions afterwards.
0: Yeah, it's been – people have been really thoughtful in their responses. You can tell that they're really thinking it through and providing valuable, insightful feedback. It's been really cool. Absolutely.
1: It's been – it's been amazing because I feel like it's even enabled me – like I – I have been reaching out to like all my family and friends and, you know, my dancers who dance in my company and all my team and and, you know, I'm like, hey, listen to the podcast, you know, everyone listen to the (laughs) podcast. And it's been funny now we have people listening to the podcast, not just like, oh, to support us because we're getting it up and running, but right, it's actually they listen. really touching their lives. It's and so cool. One of my dancers is like an avid listener now. I want to shout Aww. out to Emily. She's Sh- awesome. Oh, we're doing shout outs. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you love it and you want a shout out, let us know.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. So last episode, we had Bane McDermott come and talk to us about her struggles with alcoholism and domestic violence. So that was a really powerful story to hear. Um, I know it was hard for a lot of us to hear, especially those that know her personally. It's it's really hard to imagine. And people have been really thoughtful in their responses. What, what were What were some of the responses that you got, Christiana?
1: So some of the responses were
0: just people
1: in complete disbelief, that this had right. happened to her because she's so
0: strong and just so confident right like if you know her now it's it's actually unimaginable
1: yes it's really she's 100%. nothing like that yeah
0: no. yeah it's just it's it's unimaginable
1: and then the other responses were in general just thanking us for starting the podcast and saying how much it's been helping them. Um, So someone had reached out and said that there was a similar situation that they'd gone through. And it didn't get to that point. Right. But they felt like if they had stayed in that relationship, then it would have gotten to that point. And they just said, thank you so much for starting this podcast. It's really going to help a lot of people. Which was amazing because we've each been through, I mean, you obviously told your story. I've been through something different, but, you know, very traumatizing in a different way. And just being able to reach people and help people, that's the whole point of this. Right. So hearing that just, I can't even explain what it what it did. I mean, how did it make you feel when I shared that
0: with you? Um, If I mean, it feels really good. And, um, you know, I am a bit jaded, to be honest, because I live and breathe and recovery all day long. I talk to so many people about it. And I forget how this is not normal openness that's done in the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And it's really important and helpful for me to remember that this is stuff that other people don't talk about that they do need to hear. I'm just so used to it because I do talk about it. I spend a lot of time with people working through these things, um, and it's a it's it's obviously a prominent topic in my life. So it's I have to admit that um, I'm always surprised that it's not talked about enough or as much as either it is in my life or or I think it should be. And I was reading through some statistics on domestic violence, and I could not believe I was really floored I'll actually share them with you um, and we can we can put the sources in the show notes if anybody's interested but the level of domestic violence uh, in this country uh, more than one in three women and more than one in four men in the U.S. report having experienced rape physical violence and or stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime gosh Nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, this adds up to more than 10 million men and women. Nearly one in four women and one in seven men have experienced severe physical violence by an intimate partner during their lifetime. Intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crime. In 15 states, more than 40% of all homicides of women in each state involved intimate partner violence. 85% of domestic violence victims are female and 15% are male. Women with disabilities have a 40% greater risk of intimate partner violence, especially severe violence, than women without disability. So it goes on from there. Um, it says nearly half of all women and men in the U.S. will experience psychological aggression by an intimate partner in their lifetime. Approximately 5 million children are exposed to domestic violence every year. Children exposed are more likely to attempt suicide, abuse, drugs, and alcohol, run away from home, engage in teenage prostitution, and commit sorry, commit sexual assault crimes. I could go on. I mean, it's long. But as you can see, as you can hear, when I was reading this, these numbers are astounding. I mean, truly Mm -hmm. astounding. Uh, I have known for a long time that one in three women will experience some sort of sexual assault. That for whatever reason, that's a statistic that has stuck in my mind for many years. And I think it's because I'm the oldest of three girls. Mm -hmm. And whenever I would think of one in three I would think of of me and my sisters, you know, and and just in terms of three women. And I also think that the importance of talking about children being exposed to domestic violence, I mean, the the topic is so huge. It's it's so tremendous. But I think what we heard, or at least what I heard in the last episode, was how it turns from um, intense – to aggressive to assault to severe violence mm. that progression I know for me I often wonder how how does someone get there whatever there is right if it's if it's you know my 600 pound life like how do you get there if it's you know drugs and alcohol and you lose everything how do you get there like what's the progression look like because it's very hard to imagine um you know, zero to 100 for those of us who don't watch that progression. And what I found really illuminating was Bayan's story of the progression and the role of alcoholism in that progression. Mm. I really think that that was such an amazing survival skill for her. And we often talk about alcohol as, you know, the enemy and, and the problem. And but, in so many cases, we have to acknowledge that alcohol allowed us to survive. Um, was the was the anesthesia that created a safe place for us to survive horrific situations? And Bayon was absolutely using that to to you know move through that situation. And I just was really struck by how it could happen to anyone, you yeah. know, and. Um, certainly, anyone who had who's struggling um, or feels vulnerable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think my question. So, I in in booking people for the podcast, you kind of get the title. Like, all right, hey, what are you going to be going over? Right. So, I, I knew. In essence, the title of what right, she'd be covering. Right. I did not know her story <laughs> at all. I'm, yeah. And you were right. At one point, you're like, I think my producer is crying. And yeah. I'm on the floor, you know, head in hands. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have to be quiet. But this is devastating to hear. It. Yeah. This is just a beloved person in my life. And I can't list the things I'd like to do to that person. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was a list. <laughs> and... So I was wondering that, too. How do you go from here to there and get there? And it was interesting. I remember her saying, it started out great. We decided to be a couple quickly, which there's nothing wrong with deciding to be a couple quickly. And he was really nice in the beginning. And I don't remember the time frame she gave for that, but it started with those little things. Right,
0: the pinching.
1: The pinching. And then... But if I think she listed first that he was he was drinking a lot, so then she drank a lot. So it's just kind of taking on whatever your partner's doing. Like, oh, it's right because they're doing it, so I'm gonna do it now. And then right. little tiny doors opening to then the pinching and then the punching in the bathroom. Her thinking that right. she was having an allergy. Oh my attack gosh, when that was, was a my panic favor-
0: attack. That was my favorite part. I mean, it's just classic where we. Um, You know, and and you and I were talking about this, how, you know, it might seem super weird for some people that we are laughing about such an intense, horrific topic. But it's one of those things where I understand the mindset of someone who um, (laughs) says to themselves – "They." I mean, because in her story, she talks about being hit in the face – with all her friends there and then she le- – this is the first time he struck her. And then she leaves the bathroom and goes to sit down with the friends. They've all been drinking. She's been drinking. And she starts to hyperventilate and says she can't breathe and she thinks that suddenly in at night in a house that she's been drinking in and nothing else has changed, she's suddenly having an allergy attack <laughs> and, and, you know, negating every thing that could lead to a um a crisis of conscience mm. and it's one of those things one of the, we talk about um the hardest the longest distance for people struggling with substance use disorders you know whatever that looks like um is between your heart and your head because when you when your heart and your head align That's when you become true to yourself, and it's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. And you know that someone's heart and their head are in two different places in a situation like that. My head is saying, I'm having an allergy attack, but my heart knows what has just happened. Mm. You'd think it'd be the opposite. Right, you would think that you think that the really logical place would be in your brain, right? But it's actually it's 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 in your you know gut, soul, heart, and recovery is about aligning those two things, mm-hmm. which is not an overnight process. It is something that takes a lot of work, and I'm not sure I'm totally there yet. But you can feel it mm-hmm. when you're in that level of alignment, and that was that scene that she described for us. Was I pictured that 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 disconnection um, between the head and the heart?
1: Right, and it's it's such a picture of what trauma will do to you as well. Right, because as we were even saying, like kind of the frog in boiling water effect. Yes, little things happening where the fire got turned up hotter mm-hmm. and hotter and hotter. So as those tiny things happen, it's so easy if you're not vigilant it's so easy to lose sight of those things mm-hmm. and the trauma aspect is that you choose to live in denial little thing after little thing after little thing after little thing and so the mind just cannot comprehend what's happening right because right. that is not even in the framework of how you're thinking or what is a possibility in in your reality in how you are living your everyday life
0: right and that's the survival piece like that is the survival mm-hmm. piece and 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 you know, the addiction and alcoholism and with that is all about survival. It is a survival mechanism that stops working, right? We talked about that. And something that was so clear to me is that when you are an alcoholic in a domestic violence relationship, you are drinking and you're creating all sorts of excuses and reasons for why things are happening. So it's the perfect storm for someone to get caught in that in that type of situation, right? Because as we are in that, we're making excuses for our behavior, we're acting out, we're in trouble, things aren't going well. So we already have so many things in our life that are telling us we're not doing well, that we're making a mess, that that are you know whatever that is. So then you have this person who is telling you that you're making things up in your head. Mm. and you don't believe you're stable you i mean you you're aware that you're not stable and mm-hmm. so that plays into the factor and and that happened for me the relationship that i was in that that you know was incredibly psychologically abusive and somewhat physically abusive um he would convince me that things that had happened did not happen and Uh, He would say to me, uh, for example, the worst thing he ever did and I was really strung out and we were at this apartment and he said, I'm going to go to the store, grocery store. I'll be back in an hour. And he left for a day. And he didn't come back and then when he did come back – and of course, I'm panicking. um, Like as in 24 hours a day. Correct. It was – it may have been more than that but it it was – Certainly a day. I don't remember. You had no yeah. clue where you. It was, was certainly a day. No so I'm contact. calling. I'm flipping out. I'm also strung out. So my dependency on drugs is complicating that because I'm also looking for drugs. And it, right. you know, it's it's a really complex situation. But but he leaves. You know, he go to the store for an hour and he doesn't come back for minimum a day. And came back and told me that it had been an hour. And he was so adamant that it had been an hour, that I truly, after a period of time, and also I'm dealing with substance abuse and all this other stuff, like thought I was crazy. And I started to believe that I was crazy. Like, what is wrong with me? Maybe I am losing it. And you just – the narrative in your head is already so negative and Mm -hmm. so self-destructive that someone adding to that narrative that you're bad Mm -hmm. it it fits right
1: you can believe it right you'll you'll actually open the door to start to believe it whereas if i were to say that to you now you'd be like uh i'm throwing you out
0: the door (laughs) i mean (laughs) it's i the thought you know it's crazy and and obviously like I'm aware today that that didn't happen, that he was gone for that period of time because, you know, when I think back of, like, the time passing. But honestly, I was – that was a perfect example of me really questioning my sanity. Like, am I sane? And there were so many little things like that. And there were a lot of things – that was a really dramatic one. But there were a lot of little things like that mm-hmm. that I just b- went along with, and over time those accumulated, and then I believed, ev- you know, I believed everything right. that he was saying, and it fit his negative feelings about me and his anger. They all fit my narrative too, right. what I was telling myself, and I think that's kind of where um, that's where Bayan was when yeah. talking about the substance abuse. Along with that, it's like it fits the narrative we have going, so. The fact that we're worthy of more, right. the fact that we don't deserve this or we don't deserve this treatment, that's actually a much further idea from us at that time right. than the idea that we do.
1: And so this such a great point. I'm so glad that you brought that up because a term that I really wanted to bring up in this after the episode that's very important for people to start realizing if you have some sort of a relationship like this, this is a red flag. The term that Ashley's talking about, the textbook term, is gaslighting. And gaslighting is manipulating someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. <laughs> oh.
0: oh, well. I mean, that is, that was, that, that whole relationship was, for me, gaslighting. I mean, I, I, I can't even begin to tell you the things. And that is
1: not normal. Like, right. I want to just say that because yeah. here's the thing. I've been gaslighted,
0: gaslit, however gas, you say it gas, <laughs> gas enlightened. Gas, gas- gaslitten. Gaslitten. We were gaslitten.
1: <laughs> and it's just one of the things, I can laugh about it now, but I was gaslighted. Lit. Gaslit.
0: Gaslit. I'm going with gaslit.
1: We'll just say gaslit. If Someone can just correct us if we're yeah. wrong.
0: Email us but on for, that one.
1: For years, I mean years, to the point where there was a situation where I think I told you about, I, I thought, Okay, I have officially lost it. <laughs> and I can look back, too, and be like, I did not yeah, use it. Right. I had full sanity. But it is. It's the, that sequence of little things that built up mm-hmm. over time. Like, what am I, am I? And then it makes you feel like you really honestly are not good enough or worthy enough. And that, I mean, it's almost like pieces of you chip away, chip
0: away, chip away, chip away till you're right. just
1: half well, you're, functioning. You're
0: already going into the situation not feeling good about yourself, right? Like that's, right. that's so... Someone else telling you, you – you already think you're, you're a piece of crap. So someone else telling you you're a piece of crap isn't ex- – it's not a far-off idea for right. you. You're kind of like, well, yeah, I know. So it would be much crazier if this person was like, wow, you're really you know worthy. And we don't there, – there's a term called seeking like companions or water rises rises to its own level. And we seek out people – who match where we are mo- mm. typically like and when I say where we are I mean emotionally so someone who is very emotionally evolved is not going to date a really active alcoholic mm-hmm. that's i mean it's unlikely right so you know that kind of stuff we we find people who fit into our narrative fit into our issues and it's funny I always talk to my uh, sister about this that finding a partner and this is this is not a um official opinion of anyone it's just my opinion um (laughs) disclaimer disclaimer. um I believe that finding the person that you're meant to be with is about finding finding a person whose issues who's you know Emotional issues fit your own. It's not, of course, all the good things about you know someone; e- those are easy to deal with, mm-hmm. usually. Um, <laughs> it's the uh, it's the issues, right? So you have to find someone whose issues are compatible with your own issues, and that is the key to being able to be in a relationship. Um, at least in my my opinion. Um, That's a really good point. Just that you know, are are your issues compatible?
1: That's a really really good point because no one's going to be without issues. Is people your baggage, are going to have yeah. right. People are going to have an angry day or right. a bad day or whatever else. We're what we're basically diving into is what should be normal, and gaslighting is not normal. Gaslighting
0: is not normal. Hitting is not normal. No,
1: and it, pinching is not normal. No
0: pushing is not normal.
1: Name I mean name calling, you know, verbal abuse is 100% a real thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, it is. And and you know, there are all sorts of different types of relationships different. I mean, you have also have to think about different cultures, but um you know, in this particular situation, I think it, it it's pretty textbook. Um, straightforward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to bring something up because a viewer had emailed us uh, with a question about something that uh, you guys had actually discussed 17 minutes into uh, episode two. Ooh, 17 minutes. S- specifically 17 minutes. <laughs> okay. I want to shout out to this viewer because he's very special to my heart. More shout outs. <laughs> uh, it's my husband. Well, <laughs> <laughs> In case anyone's wondering. <laughs> um, Thanks So he watch. had said um, – he wanted to hear a little bit more about this because he'd never thought about it before. The societal normalcy of alcoholic tendencies. So specifically, you I think you had said, you know, I just didn't realize I was drinking the wrong drink at the wrong times of the day. <laughs> so for instance, if someone picks up a vodka tonic at 9 a.m., oh my gosh, what are you doing? What right. are you thinking? You're an alcoholic. Right. However, if a whole bunch of people or even somebody at home makes mimosas – for breakfast, no one bats an
0: eye. Right. And that, so (laughs) it is, it's something in sobriety that I just, here's the thing. If you're not an alcoholic, this idea is like, yeah, that's weird. And then you move on with your life, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's not like a heavy topic of conversation, right? (laughs) So it's like only a topic that alcoholics would be interested in. However, I would like to say that I got sober and in rehab, they teach you like, okay, Ashley, blackouts are not normal. Waking up where you don't know is not normal. Like all right. day we go down the list of things <laughs> and I really didn't know. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't know that everyone didn't black out every time they drank. Like I really, I was so, I was like, really? Is that true? I started asking around. Um I'm going to verify this information. Uh, So uh, there was all these things. And one of them was drinking in the morning, drinking alone, right? So I'm like – I leave treatment um, and I have all this new information and, Ashley, your drinking is not normal. This is what normalcy is, right? So I go out into the world and then I see bottomless mimosas and I see Bloody Marys in the morning and – um, different types of alcohol, or different cultures, and binge drinking in college. Like as long as you do it within these four years, right. then it's okay. And I was, I was, I, I wanted to, you know, call my counselors back in rehab. And go, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> um, you said that wasn't normal, and it looks like it's everybody else is doing it. So that's one of those things where. You know the wine tasting, the the um, the wino culture, the wino mom culture. Oh my mm. gosh, that stuff really, really trips me out. It's um, a big thing now. It's a big thing, and when I, and when my twins were born, I was like, I do not have a key parenting tool in my toolbox (laughs) I have zero wine to parent because you see all these things that talk about like you know it's five o'clock the kids are eating dinner and I've got my wine I'm set or whatever it is I've seen moms with cups of beer at the park and um, you know I'm like I am not equipped see I knew I was missing a tool so to address Roger's question um, there are a lot of things in society such as you know, the mimosas issues or the timing of drinking that I think are normalized for people who have normal drinking patterns because the person who has a normal drinking pattern isn't going to have 15 mimosas in the morning. Right. The problem is that I – See the idea of a drink that you're allowed to have in the morning as the opportunity to get hammered at nine a.m. Got it. And so it's a it's a twist. It's a specific twist on my thinking or the alcoholic. We talk about alcoholic thinking, which is oh, that's an appropriate time to get drunk when I I actually. Don't think that most people see that as an opportunity to get really drunk, um, unless I'm wrong. I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Right? Um, I don't think I don't think other people spend time thinking about it. And that's that's the really key part, like
1: a level of obsession. Almost right. Okay. Right. Like I don't this think is the
0: focus. Right. Like for me, I was like, what. I was drinking the wrong thing. Or if I, you know, if I, (laughs) if I was in college, it would have been okay. Or it's okay to do, you know, it's okay to do these things like under these circumstances. But I, what I know to be true is that I, even if I were to do those things within those parameters, even if I were to drink mimosas at 9 a.m. or I were to binge drink at college, no matter what the scenario that you put me in i'm going to overdo that particular thing i will take something that's societally normal and make it not normal <laughs> so, so that's yeah. that that's that that's that that progression and that's yeah. that thinking but yes there is an incredible amount of focus on alcohol as a lubricant to every social situation yes it is shown on every TV show um there's this amazing show that i can't think of the name and the um lead character Olivia Pope is this fixer in DC she's just every you know PR fixer and she's just incredible and she you never see her eat you never see her do anything normal but every time she's home alone she has these enormous wine glasses and it's Look, like it's so sexy and well put and she's so mm. well dressed and it's like it, it, the wine is like it's like oh I'm so stressed I'm gonna have this wine
1: it's so normal it's so yeah and it's and like a
0: normal coping skill she's not taking a hot bath you know she's, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's not going for a run like it's very clear that this is what she does to relieve stress. It's so much a part of our culture, and I honestly have gotten used to that.
1: That was going to be my next question to you because I go to Home Goods, you know, and if I'm buying a host gift or you know just even something as simple as like i need some new kitchen towels and i walk into the the towel section at home goods and there's you know you've got 50 million different colors and you've got dogs on towels and yellow and stripes and whatever else and then you have the conglomerate of champagne glasses clinking and saying you know it's time for wine mommy wine mommy needs her juice like all this mm-hmm. stuff. I see all these different towels. And even if I'm, like I said, reaching for a host gift, I'm going to a dinner party or you know, just going somewhere and I'm like, oh I don't know the person well enough. But what do I grab? Like usually the first thing in the host gift section is a wine decanter or whiskey ice balls you know the it, oh those the things look so cool they <laughs> make a very nice ice cube
0: yeah they <laughs> it's do not,
1: it's a perfect they sphere. do I'm,
0: I don't care about that I'm using it <laughs> putting that in my <laughs> put it my in seltzer. water
1: yeah <laughs> um but it's uh, working in this industry now I'm not offended by it I think I'm just more shocked by it Because I see it constantly. And I I just wanted to get your thoughts on that and find out from your standpoint and everything that you've walked through and the bands walked through. It's like how do you see that? That's something that's so societally normal like you were saying.
0: Something that was told to me when I came out of treatment or when I was coming out of treatment. And I don't know which time but one of them. And (laughs) um, they said, "You no, Ashley, just because you quit drinking doesn't mean the rest of the world did. And I have taken that to heart in the sense that me having a problem does not mean that everybody else should stop drinking or should not, you know, enjoy alcohol at at a reasonable whatever that looks like level for them. So I find it to be triggering sometimes for me because I want to feel a part of – and i uh like wine so there's that (laughs) um and so i there's it's i find it i can find it triggering but i don't feel um i don't feel offended Mm. because they're not theoretically they're not the ones with the problem they being you know the masses Mm -hmm. um i'm not gonna hold them hostage them being everybody, I, I'm not going to hold other people hostage for me having a drinking problem. So it's the same thing. Like if I'm allergic to strawberries and and strawberries are a huge, you know, part of everything. They're in every flavor. They're, you know, it's not th- it's not everyone else's problem that I have this problem. And so that's that's how I see it today. Mm-hmm. um You know, 13 years in, and uh, but it it. It, it can be difficult. I mean, sometimes it looks good. Sometimes it looks like, man, I'm missing out. Man, I wish I could do the mommy thing, the mommy wine thing. Man, I, you know, insert whatever. But the, the – you know, I have – my husband and I have this conversation and it's like, yeah, but you don't even want to do that. Like you – that's not even – that's not how I drink. Mm-hmm. If I had one glass of wine, I mean, oh, my God, that would be – that would be terrible. I would hate that. Mm. Uh, that's not how. That's not the the the. That's not the quantity that I want to ingest. Mm. So it's it's really thinking. It's really a fantasy. And I guess I just don't think that we should. We as people in recovery should hold everyone else responsible for our drinking problem.
1: Wow, thank you. That's really insightful.
0: I do want to reiterate that that is my view my opinion and not <laughs> disclaimer. yeah, just dis, another disclaimer that that's that is not necessarily the way that everybody sees it. and I, I totally get that. So yeah, great, great question. And I really enjoy having these conversations about, you know, kind of following up after these episodes. and if people have questions uh, about the speaker or about any of the topics or want us to cover any topics. In this, these after the episodes, please, please, please uh, send us an email, uh, message, call, smoke signal, whatever, whatever you have available, uh, get in touch with us and, and we would love, love to hear your feedback. I I really, really want to give a shout out since that's like the theme of what we're doing here. Um, I really want to give a shout out to Bain. I am so grateful for her vulnerability, sharing her story, and giving us the opportunity to talk about the prevalence of domestic violence in this country and I'm sure all over the world. And I know that we will continue to address really important topics like this as we go forward we have some incredible guests who are booked for this podcast all sorts of really really amazing stories and I am so excited for you guys to hear so please tune in subscribe and if you can write us a review on iTunes it really really helps us So if you want to support the podcast, we would be so grateful to you for any reviews that you leave. And again, feel free to contact me or Christiana with any feedback.
1: Absolutely. And also, I mean, the whole point of us doing this podcast isn't to chat at each other because we can do that anytime. But we really want to help people. And so if you can share with a friend – Uh, That would be fantastic because you honestly never know, just like I haven't known, um, who it's honestly been helping until I hear that feedback, and I'm just so overjoyed to hear how many people it's been helping. So share this podcast with a friend after you subscribe and download and rate and leave us a review. We're so appreciative, and we just want to continue reaching more people with
0: stories of hope and inspiration. And the courage to change. All right. All right. Thanks so much, guys. We'll catch you in the next episode. The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast, would like to thank our sponsor, Lion Rock Recovery for their support. Lion Rock Recovery provides online substance abuse counseling, where you can get help from the privacy of your own home. For more information, visit www.lionrockrecovery.com backslash podcast. Subscribe and join our podcast community to hear amazing stories of courage and transformation weekly.